the idea is to bring together representatives from the superannuation industry, uh, regulators, but also Indigenous financial counsellors. So it was an idea, I guess, that, that first found its foundations in 2013 when a group of uh, super funds and industry bodies for the superannuation industry, um, at the suggestion of the regulator ASIC, came together to start an Indigenous superannuation working group with the idea being um, to better support Indigenous people when it came to interacting with their super and accessing benefits from their superannuation fund. The regulator had found that people were increasingly asking questions about their superannuation and the super funds weren't necessarily engaging enough. So over the you know the, the last six or so years, um, we've been working together to try and identify where the problems are, where some of the possible solutions are, and part of that is to get together with all of the stakeholders and talk it through and continue to build on continuously improving outcomes for Indigenous people. Now, as part of this year's uh, summit report, a major issue highlighted was problems with identification. Can you detail some of those concerns with identification and how that actually impacts people accessing the superannuation services? Unfortunately, a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people don't necessarily have the standard forms of ID that non-Indigenous people have access to. So it could be, you know, a a valid birth certificate or a a marriage certificate even um, when marriage might happen in a cultural way rather than, you know, through, through the non-Indigenous ways. It could be about not having access to a valid driver's licence or certainly even a passport. So a number of years ago, actually, out of the, one of the outcomes from the first Indigenous Super Summit was for industry to work together with Austrac to develop some guidelines that financial services entities could use to find the alternative ways of identifying uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that didn't require that stand, you know, the standard Medicare card or driver's licence or, or birth certificate, but instead that we could use community cards, we could use references from uh, Indigenous elders or other senior people, leaders in the community, that sort of thing, that we could find alternative ways for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to prove who they were so that they could then access um, their superannuation entitlement. And you mentioned that obviously that, that was an issue that's, that's been an issue for quite some time. Uh, have mm-hmm. you seen much progress in, in terms of how that's been going in terms of finding different forms of identification? Yeah, so the Austrac guidance has now been in place for just over over two years and I think financial services are still uh, grappling with how to implement that um, and teach people within the organisation on, on how to use that. So at the summit, we certainly talked about the need for people to really embed the Austrac alternative ID uh, processes into the way that they operate and deal with their Indigenous customers. And there's still some work to be done, so we're putting pressure on them in order to make sure that they're using the alternative protocol um, but also that they're measuring the outcomes and how many people actually accessing that so that we can see whether or not there is an improvement uh, in people's access. And what about cultural barriers? Was that something that was brought up at, at the summit? And, and is that something you're still seeing some challenges perhaps being brought up in that area? Yeah, absolutely. So issues around kinship. So in the event that someone passes away um, and who then has access to, to their superannuation, um, the uh, cultural kinship relationships aren't understood under the law. 
um, and it makes it very difficult then for superannuation fund trustees to pay out people who are, um, are from the extended, extended family unit from the skin group, for example, but are not necessarily a direct descendant or um, lawfully married under the Australian law. Um, so the, the government is doing some work in relation to kinship structures at the moment and we're expecting to get a report with some recommendations from them. But we've also seen issues, for example, around making a death benefit claim um, where culturally it's not appropriate to mention the, the, the deceased person's name, which then obviously makes it very hard to communicate with the super fund about whose estate that you're looking to get access to. So there are some problems there that we need to overcome and it can be very difficult, obviously, to do that over the phone, face-to-face meetings in those scenarios are are much better, um, give much better outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And we recently saw the uh, First Nations Foundation, you know, going around as part of Big Super Day Out, reuniting people with their lost superannuation. How would you describe the state of lost or unclaimed superannuation among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities? Yeah, look, I had the great privilege on, on um, going on one of those um, big big Super Day out trips. We were in uh, northeast Arnhem Land visiting four different communities. Um, there was a real great interest from community members about superannuation, uh, about looking for lost superannuation. But I think the thing that we found overwhelmingly was that people didn't necessarily understand what superannuation was, that it was there for people to access when they retire, that it's a benefit that you get when you um, when you work. So it's something that your employer pays, you know. Um, so there was, there was a, a bit of a lack of understanding what superannuation was. We were able to reunite people with super that they didn't realise that they had. Uh, their employer had been putting away, you know, the, the 9.5% that they're required to, but the, the member themselves, the employee, didn't know that that was necessarily happening. So we were able to make a few people quite happy with finding $10,000 or whatever it was there that was growing for them for when, when they reached retirement. There's also a lot of lost superannuation sitting with the Australian Tax Office. So we were able to identify that for people in those communities too and help them find a way to reclaim that money. Uh, so put it into their active superannuation account from where they might be working at the moment. So there's a lot of work to do um, in, in terms of creating more awareness around what superannuation is and what it's for and when people can access it. So where to from here? You've been in Canberra delivering this report. What are the next yes. steps? Obviously, some of these things are very complicated issues when we're talking about you know, accessing uh, services within communities. As we know, things like internet access are a big problem as well. Is that a process where we need to attack it from multiple levels where you've got the service providers, you've got government and everything coming together? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's vital that we all work together in order to to figure out what the best possible outcomes might be and different communities will have, you know, different needs and different priorities. Um, So one of the things that we're looking at is the standardisation of forms. So say there's 150 superannuation funds in Australia... Um, that means you've got 150 different forms with different requirements on them. So if there was a way that we could make it easy and we have one form uh, with all the same requirements on them, that would make it easier for the financial counsellors on the, on the ground helping people fill those forms out. That would certainly be a big help. 
and would also, you know, not matter so much whether you had internet access or not because there's one form you don't have to go to a specific Superfund website in order to download a specific form, for example. There are problems too with being able to call into a community so phone access can, can be really difficult and sometimes the the call waiting times um, with some of the, the call centres can be really difficult. So if you have to wait 20 minutes to speak to somebody in order to help you, you know, are people patient enough uh, to sit there and do that? So we, you know, we have to do something about reducing call wait times too to make it easier for people to access the information that they need. So we'll be working with with the regulators about things like the standardisation of forms. We'll be talking to government also about increasing funding for financial counsellors so that there's more of them to help community members in, in terms of accessing their superannuation and then also making sure that we embed the Austrac guidance better so that it makes the identification process easier and faster for people. What are your hopes and aspirations following the release of this report and, and moving into the future in terms of addressing some of these issues? I would like to see our super funds take a greater responsibility for their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander members and, um, you know, to work on getting uh, much greater awareness themselves about what some of the barriers and difficulties are that, that people in communities can, can face. Uh, language is obviously uh, a problem if uh, English isn't the first, isn't a language that is spoken at home. Financial literacy is another area. We make superannuation way more complex than it needs to be, so I think there's, there's a lot of room here for simplification of how we communicate about superannuation and what forms that we use. And I'd like to see a commitment of, um, you know, resources towards more face-to-face outreach in communities. Now, uh, how we do that and how, how we resource that, I think we have to bring some smart people together in a room and, and figure out a model that, that can work. But I saw firsthand, I think, on that First Nations Foundation outreach trip to northeast Arnhem Land, that if you sit down and spend 20 minutes with a person to help through, uh, it makes such a difference and it can have a life-changing difference.